Hello, I'm here with my lovely guest, Alex. Hello. We had him here already. Glad to be back. The honorable uh, evangelist, uh, apologetic teacher (laughs) of the generation sitting right in front of me. That's a pretty, that's a pretty big statement. Yeah. It needs to be a long, (laughs) we need a longer title for you. Um, Can we get some longer titles in the comments, please? Um, (laughs) Bro, it's been three weeks. Wow. And I know I only gave you 30 minutes last time, so I know you want more. So we're going to go extra long for you. Noise. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. I'm excited. And so last week we talked, uh, like three episodes, I think we talked about like simple apologetic points, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we even did like a, we did like a pretend little conversation. Yeah. That was like an off the cuff thing. Yep. <laughs> yep. Wasn't, wasn't staged. I liked it. So you weren't ready for that. Oh, um, you have to be always ready for that. <laughs> But you, were, you weren't ready for it, but you were ready for it. It was off script, yeah. It was off script, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I know there were a couple, we talked a couple of times on the phone, so I know there are a couple of things that you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think of those points, we wanted to talk about um, honoring mm-hmm. in conversation. We wanted like how to approach a conversation. But I think uh, like before any of those points, I think we wanted to talk about your process going through apologetics and teaching. And having like respectful, loving, yeah, good quality conversations with people. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 also uh, yeah. I'd love to share on that. So, um, how I got into this whole thing at all was uh, actually walking away from my faith. And I used to think that Christianity, uh, as a general rule, wasn't for smart people. And so um, I got that idea because uh, when I would ask questions. Uh, I would get really bad answers. You know, there was a there's an atheist philosopher who once said that it's better to have questions with that aren't able to be answered than have answers that aren't able to be questioned. And I felt that from from uh, a struggling Christian perspective. And so when people wouldn't engage in something that we call apologetics, um, it would actually weaken my faith more and more until eventually I decided, you know what, this is not for people who actually care about answering the questions that matter most. Um, and so, in my opinion, um, uh, growing up in a Christian household, um, I, I came to the conclusion that if I were to choose a worldview, Christianity would not be one of them because it doesn't have good answers to the questions that are the most relevant for the person. Um, and so I ended up basically becoming a, a naturalistic, skeptical, uh, agnostic, kind of a mix of everything, mostly skeptical, bordering atheism. And so um, and I, I'd love to touch on why naturalism fails later if, if we have time, but uh, it does. And so eventually um, I ended up coming you, back. You might have to tell people what, what that yes. means first. So, sorry. Yes. So naturalism, naturalism is, is a worldview in which. <laughs> and, so just jump over words. Here. Yeah, my bad. Uh, it's, it's a worldview in which, um, in, in which you believe that everything can be explained through natural processes. So there is no such thing as the soul. There's no supernatural. There's no spiritual. None of that exists. Mm-hmm. Everything that exists can be explained through physical stuff, stuff that you can feel, touch, see, observe, basically the scientific method on steroids. Um, and so that's kind of where I was. And I thought that that was the most logical uh, position to hold in our world and in our universe. Yeah. So basically, um, I, I, I learned over time that actually Christianity does have the most vigorous um, and corresponding answers to life's toughest and most uh, profound questions. And um, now I look back and I see it was actually God drawing me back. But um, I, when something becomes the most important thing in your life, you know, C.S. Lewis once said that if Christianity is true, it's of infinite importance. And if it's not true, it's not important at all. And so we're all kind of, we're all in this boat together, no matter what you believe um, or what you, you know, what you think you believe. Um, we're all in a boat of like trying to figure out what best explains reality. And so for me, that was the most important thing in my life because as I walked away from God, I, I basically came to the conclusion that like, Hey, if I'm going to live the rest of my life as if there's no God, um, I better be pretty darn sure he's not there, (laughs) you know? Uh, and so I actually approached, uh, studying, uh, pretty vigorously for, for a while, uh, as, as a naturalist, I approached, um, just 
various arguments for the existence of God. Is it reasonable at all to believe in God's existence at all? Like, is that just something that I have to throw my mind away mm -hmm. for? And then eventually I, I got into a, a place of, of, you know, there's many steps I can go into, but just to save some time, I ended up coming to the conclusion that it is more probable that there is a God. And if this God exists, it is more most probable that it's Jesus. And so that's when the journey really started to mm -hmm. hit the road. Uh, and so for me, uh, like sometimes people ask me how I remember things in apologetics, because generally, like, I mean, I needed the address for this place. I've been here like two, three times, <laughs> you know, like, but for some reason, like with with things when it comes to talking about apologetics or uh, just one on one evangelistic type conversations, like it's always like there. It's, you know, it's ready. And, you know, when something becomes the most important thing in your life for for a matter of a few years, like then you you will know and especially if it's a gift uh, and I, I think the holy spirit it has grace over this area for me yeah. what do you think yeah. about uh coming into a conversation with the motivation or like you have to lean, you have to lean back <laughs> if you think you had to have like the motivation um to like approach a conversation like i'm going to be evangelic i'm going to share the message of jesus mm -hmm. or like um like you just make these switches in the way you have your conversations and like you're approaching it with that objective of apologetics evangelism or like well this conversation i'm going to kind of just have a normal conversation and maybe i'm going to try and avoid that like kind of how we try to avoid politics sometimes yeah. in a conversation because yeah. we want to respect a person or we yeah. want to be like well I'd, i just really don't feel like i want to have that conversation right now yeah how should we approach it um like in a in a normal um setting where it's like not weird or doesn't feel like we're stepping. Yeah. Like, do you, you understand yeah, yeah. what I'm saying? It's a hard yeah. question to sum up. <laughs> no, that's, that this, is the question. It, yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. It's the question. Yeah. It's like literally, um, it's the thing we ask ourselves all the time. Like, uh, it's the reason why I think we have a lot of problems or it's the big argument. Like, mm -hmm. we should be out there sharing or we should defend our faith or when shouldn't we or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I love that question because it really gets down to the point of like, how do we have these conversations and not be awkward with people? Right. Or like, how do we have these conversations and like not seem like, hey, listen, we're trying to convert you. So let me convince you real quick. So I get all that. And I've like I for me, it's it, it, it just becomes part of the way that you communicate kind of who you are, because what you believe. So what you believe about God oftentimes tells me more than I need to know about who you are or who you eventually will become. Because the thing is, what you believe about God says a lot about you. And so what you believe about your worldview also says a lot about you. And so um, for me, like sometimes, actually most of the time, my favorite way, and this isn't like the way to do it, but my favorite way to do apologetics is um, a lot of times people don't even know what I believe until we're halfway into the conversation. Mm. And by then they're already like, okay, like I, I see what, you know, like by then it's too late. <laughs> like I already have your interest, you know? Mm. And so, um, a lot of times I'll find like an example. I, I used to work with a guy who was studying astronomy. So he's a full-time student and he was studying astronomy and I, I had some shifts with him and uh, at, a, at a job I used to work at. And I would talk to him from the perspective of what he was studying. And so I would ask him, you know, like, for example, hey, like, is it true that like before the Big Bang, like what, like the time had a beginning, right? So time, space and matter had a beginning at one point in the singularity. He's like, yeah, we're studying this now. Like, yeah, it is actually. And I'm like, oh, cool. What do you think happened before then? He's like, you know what? Nobody really knows. But you guys see what I'm getting at already. And so yeah. I'm like, yeah. So it's interesting because that means that if it's outside of natural stuff, could we call it like. I don't know, supernatural, like, you know, like <laughs> you do that slowly or um, things like that. Like, I think if we're ourselves and um, and we genuinely find interest in the people that we're talking to and more than just like some kind of project to convert, but rather like yeah. this person has like this person, first of all, is was created in the image of God. He deserves or she deserves respect. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if we approach the conversation with the right motive, and we, there's a way to actually make ourselves be interested in, in certain things because we pay attention. You know what I mean? And so if we ask the right questions, people tend to love to answer, uh, answer questions, especially if it's about something they're interested in, you know? And so if we approach the conversation in a way that asks questions with respect, and then we hear them out, uh, meaning we let them finish their sentences, we don't just think about how we are to respond, but we actually think about what they're saying in order to both, A, you know, have them feel heard and be, 
um, get information about what they believe so that we can respond to it better. You know, and we see Paul do this in Acts 17 when he comes to the Areopagus where the Greeks were basically like it was their job to just think about new ideas and hear new ideas. That was like their whole career. And he shows up and instead of, you know, like like in other places, he just like healed people. Like here he shows up and he sees that they have a, you know, an altar to an unknown God. And he's like, hey, guys. And he quotes their poetry to them. He quotes Meander to them. And then he continues to just talk to them about God, you know, and like that was his approach. And so like sometimes we see the interests of people and we see uh, what they're passionate about. You know, and and we can literally just be interested in the person. It's more of a relational thing than yeah. a logical thing. Yeah. 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 There's it, yeah. I love that we're talking about this from the beginning about communication because in the Slavic community, I feel like this is a huge thing. Because yeah. for me also growing up, it's always kind of been like, Why do I gotta go to church? And it's like, shut up and just come with us, you know? Yeah. For like that communication aspect, like it's just kind of this like aggressive like because I said so. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Why do we have to read the Bible? Why is it true? Because it is. Yeah. And it's always been kind of like this blind faith kind of thing for most, I would say, Slavic people. It's just, you know, because my parents made me come, I'm going. Yeah. And you don't understand the actual practical side of things. And it's funny because I remember the Bible was always this, you know, super spiritual book that we just believe because we have to, because there is God, but we don't know the why. And actually, I remember when you were teaching us during Bible school, it like hit me. I want because so many, so many uh, preachers they talk about the Bible isn't just you know some history book. It's alive. It's real. But they'd actually hit me. I was like, wait, the Bible is actually a history book. <laughs> <laughs> like for me, it was actually the other way yeah. around. I, I looked at it so spiritually because I never got those practical yeah. answers. But when it was finally like, hey, it's actually like historical. This actually happened. Yeah. Like there is evidence that backs it up. There's yeah. actually. You know, because you talk to so many people, even like during evangelism, like you try to talk to them from the Bible and they're like, I don't believe the Bible. And now you can't, you know, talk to them from the Bible because they don't believe it. Yeah. But then you go on and you learn it a little bit and you realize that the Bible is actually the most credible book. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, that communication aspect, it really you, you really grow in that. Hey, I love how you said that, you know, Apostle Paul Hewitt. It's more of a relational thing mm-hmm. where you connect with the people, you figure out, okay, if they don't believe the Bible, let me come at them with, you know, yeah, with yeah. what they're into. Yeah, dude, I, I love what you just said. It like, re- so it reminds me of some things, um, you know, with with the Slavic community and in, in, in particular, and I think I think a lot of um, communities that have come out of countries where persecution was a thing in general, mm-hmm. it, like what I've noticed is there seems to be this gap between the older generation and the youth, mm-hmm. and the thing is for the older generation, like my parents, maybe your parents, like their concern wasn't so much as how can we trust the Bible's historical reliability? Their concern was how do we not get arrested for owning one? And so that's what they were, you know, that, that was their life. And so when we come here, we have Bibles everywhere, you know, and we have, you know, preachers everywhere. We have like, like a platter of churches to choose from, like we do whatever we want, you know? And so for us, we're not worried about going to prison for owning a Bible. We're owning, we're worrying about what about Buddhism? What about atheism? What about the Muslims? They have this, they have a book too, you know? And so that's kind of what our questions are. And so what I noticed was particularly in these kinds of communities, um, the lack of apologetics is, is deafening. The lack of like people being able to engage on, on a level of the mind, loving God with your whole mind and, and loving his truths and being able to defend them. Like, you know, like in first uh, Peter three fifteen and, and making the most of every opportunity like that, that seems to be a little bit lacking. And, and I really want to see that, that change because eventually that will equip the youth mm-hmm. uh, of the next generation to yeah. go out and, and, and be themselves really to represent yeah. the worldview that they believe is the right mm-hmm. worldview. I think it's really important too, to highlight the fact that um, was, it was Paul, right? Who said, defend your faith. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and the word, Oh, that was Peter. That was Peter. Peter. Sorry. Oh, Paul, Paul did it in different ways. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Peter, um, defend is, it's a very like specific word mm-hmm. because when you defend something, typically you are more reserved. Yeah. You're not, you're not yeah. going to be really aggressive. You're, you're, you're going to be protective of what you have and you're going to like, you're going to approach something very safely because yeah. you're on the defensive. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times, even as specifically me personally, right, I'll come out aggressive mm-hmm. or you'll come out um, almost out of a reaction. Yeah. And usually when you really believe something, it doesn't require your emotions to come out that way. Mm-hmm. 
Um, usually you can be calm and collected. And I found that the most productive conversations are the ones where it's calm, it's collected, it's respectful, it's honoring. Yeah. And I think that's part of the process of becoming an apologetic, which we all are, because we're mm-hmm. all called to defend our faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. In a respectful and peaceful manner. Yeah. Um, because when you defend something, you're not the one attacking. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the one just giving a reason why someone should believe this or why I believe this. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. And then, I, and then I think like the evidence of that is shown through our accent, uh, our actions. It's shown through our life. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's even shown through how we had the conversation with the person. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. So like in, in, in the, the, uh, for example, um, even in the verse that people go to, like the, you know, second Peter three fifteen, um, it literally, it literally tells you to be ready, you know, to defend the faith. Um, and then it says to anyone who asks, right. And so people, people are expected to see our lifestyle or our life or our demeanor, whatever it is. And, and they're kind of expected to be like, what's up with you? Like, you know, to ask like, mm-hmm. why, why are you so happy or, or something like yeah. that? You know? And then like, we see Peter actually model this in the day of Pentecost. Like when, when the spirit came down and all sorts of stuff started breaking out, people were like, they're drunk. Like something's, something's up here, you know? Um, and some people were like, wait, they're speaking in my language. Like all sorts of stuff was going on. Peter gets up and he's like, let me give you guys an apologia you know, an apologetic and defense. And so, because they're already like trying to figure out what's going on. And so here he is and he presents the gospel to them and to kind of piggyback off of what, what you said earlier about um, the, uh, the historicity of the Bible, like for them, like this was the thing, like the historical, like the tomb is empty was the grounding point for Christianity, you know? And so, so fresh for them too. Yeah. And so, and so like studying, so like there's, there's even this divide within scholarship, within Christian scholarship, even among whether or not we should study the historical Jesus or if we should st- uh, stick to the Bible. And it's like, like, well, the Bible is the historical <laughs> Jesus. Like it's the same thing, you mm-hmm. know? And so like for them, like even Peter's like Peter went through a, from from a person who who denied Christ three times. He was like too scared to like admit that he was with him to a guy who was boldly defending. And he was literally saying whom you crucified. Like when he was mm-hmm. talking to the Jews, he's like this Jesus whom you cru-, like this is this like we have to see the transformation here, you know, and like not he went from a guy who was too scared to say, yeah, I, I hung out with Jesus to like, actually, you did this to him. And he rose mm-hmm. from the dead and we're witnesses of this wow. because of the historical resurrection, you know, so the historicity was was the big part. And still is today Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i love somebody shared actually how because it was so fresh for them Mm -hmm. when they would partake in communion for the first even a couple hundred years they would take communion and it was such a common thing for them all to be healed wow right because it was still so fresh to them like this just happened it's so real yeah and now thousands of years later it's kind of like you really need to communicate with people you need to really get the point across you need to Mm. build their faith give them testimony something we're like guys this is still real today yeah this is still real um and just what are what are some ways i I guess what are some key ways that you let's say um relationally were able to reach some people because i remember watching your instagram where you're like looking out for like mormons and jehovah's (laughs) witnesses out your window you're like scoping out i remember that yeah i really enjoyed watching that so yeah um what are some ways that you kind of like were able to draw them in or even relate to them be able to like communicate with them and just kind of in a practical way yeah yeah i that was that was really cool um they were so nice so uh, I'm going to tell a story. So these, these two Mormons, uh, they show up, um, they show up at my door and, you know, they open the door and, or I open the door. And I'm like, Hey, and I kind of already knew what was about to happen. And so they, they were like, Hey, yeah, we're this and this and this. And so with them, I, I was upfront. I'm like, guys, honestly, I, like, I respect what you do, honestly, because if, if you believe what you believe mm-hmm. and you're doing what you're doing, that is a logical like thing. Like you should care, you know what I mean? And so the fact that you're here, demonstrates that you care. So I respect what you're doing. Like you hear them out, you know, and you're like, yeah, like, honestly, like you tell them how you feel. And I'm like, I'm honestly, guys, I'm a Protestant and I have different beliefs than you, but, um, I used to be a a naturalist, a skeptic, and I, you know, I'm here. And so I'm always open to learn. And so how about you guys come over and, uh, we'll talk. I want to hear you guys out, see what you believe, see if there's maybe similarities here, see if there's differences, kind of dive into what the differences are. And of course, they're not going to say no, you know, like they're like, mm-hmm. they're excited because someone wants to hear their testimony and they should be, you know. Um, and so they started coming over. Um, I think this went on for probably about six months and it was pretty much every Tuesday night. 
and they would come over and we and we would talk and they would they would give me uh, sermons to watch and I would watch them and I would bring those sermons up next time they were over and I would tell them what I liked about the sermons and what I didn't like about the sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, they gave me the Book of Mormon and I pointed some things out in the Book of Mormon that I thought disagreed with the Bible. And this went on for a while. And during this time, um, I think it was about six months, but I might be a little bit off there. But during this time, um, there were times where like, I mean, like I'm praying, I think basically like before and after they, like before they come, like spirit, like prepare me for this, like whatever's going to happen, like, uh, like, you know, um, give me wisdom. And then afterwards I'd pray for them as well. And actually the church that he was, that when they're on missions, they get moved around. And so uh, he's from a different state, but he was staying in Camas. And there's a Mormon church in Camas, and I would drive by it every day on the way to work. Mm-hmm. And every time I see it, it would remind me to pray for him. And so I would I would pray for him. After after a while of these conversations, sometimes it starts to feel like you don't you're not getting through to them. You're thinking like what like you you feel like you're bringing such convincing things and like and like you're praying, you're doing all the right things, like you're being respectful, like. They would come over, we'd, you know, they would, I would sit them down. My wife would sometimes like, she would like, she like cut up fruit for them or like, we'd always have LaCroix on the table, you know? And you're like, what is going wrong here? Like, how come like, you know, like sometimes you start to think that like, it's not working, but really we have no idea what, like, well, we, we have an idea we should, but like, we, we don't always know exactly what the spirit is doing on the background, you know? So we are called to be respectful, to be um, courteous. Um, and, and to really represent grace and truth with that balance. Mm. So after a while, um, they kind of just stopped coming. I forgot what happened. I think things got in the way. It was like a mutual, like, oh, I can't make it. I can't make it. And then I didn't talk to him for a few months. I think it was, I should have probably got my timelines better on this one, but I think it was about a few months. So he kind of just fell off the map. And then, um, I had like this urge to reach out to him, you know, for like, for like a day, I kind of ignored it the first day. I think I just kind of prayed for him a little bit. And then the urge just like wouldn't go away. So I'm like, okay. So I texted him like, hey, what's up, man? Like, I won't mention his name, but I'm like, what's up, man? Like, um, you know, uh, it's been a while. I missed your conversations, you know, and uh, I can say that honestly because I'm like, where'd you go? You know, uh, and so like I missed your conversations. Like they were, yeah. they were really cool. Like, um, what do you guys think about coming over again? And it would usually be that one guy, but sometimes his partner would switch up a little bit. And so he responds uh, with like, uh, you know, what would be the point of that? And so I'm here thinking like, well, <laughs> and I'm like, honestly, like, I don't, I don't see myself getting convinced, but like something along these lines, like, but like, I honestly like to learn from you and I want to see like, maybe, you know, maybe one of us could, I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was like, it was like an honest response without like hiding the fact that like, I actually care for your salvation, you know, mm-hmm. like it was like one of those. Mm-hmm. And he agreed. He agreed to meet up. So it's been a few months. So I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, what's going on here? You know, um, but I felt like I needed to reach out to him. And so yeah. we meet up at a Thai restaurant in downtown Camas. And uh, actually, before we meet up, he tells me what's going on. So we don't I think it was the next day. So we agreed to meet up. And then a day or two later, he sends me a really long text. I think I was like at a dinner table somewhere. And he sends me a really long text or, or Facebook message or whatever. And he's like, he's like, basically telling me that he's an atheist and he's he's still on his missions he's still on his mormon missions like if his church found out about this like there's a there's a good reason i'm not saying his name like that's a big deal and so he's basically telling me yeah i'm an atheist like i don't think there's like there's there can't be actual evidence for god like and he just like pours out his heart to me like out of nowhere right like this this Mm -hmm. never there was never a glimpse of this in their evangelisms and we met for a while i've never seen this you know so sometimes people are hiding things inside and even even if god is drawing them they won't reveal it because they're on a mission you know what i mean like um and so we meet up at a thai restaurant and and i told them right away i'm like hey listen man like i know you have to be with with your your partner like they always send them out in twos and stuff and they live together i think and I'm like, yeah, I know you have to be with him. So if there's something you don't want me to say, like that will, you know, get you in trouble with your church, let me know. And he's like, ah, it's fine. It's all good. So we meet up and him and I just start talking like back and forth. We just talk, talk, talk. And he has all these questions and and all of this stuff now resurfaces and stuff that like, like in our class in apologetics class, like stuff that I like, I'm like, this is interesting because I just taught on this, like, like Mm -hmm. for the last couple of years, you know, and he's asking me like, is there even like, how do you even know? There's such a thing as truth, which is a big deal in our culture today. And I'd love to circle that back to that later as well. But how do you know there's even such a thing as truth? Like, what is truth? Like, he, he, like he's, he's telling me that there are people who 
you know, they get, they, they get back from their missions or they stand in front of our Mormon churches and, and they tell us, you know, it's my testimony that Jesus Christ is real and that I know him. But he's like, do you? Because like, we're all supposed to say that, you know? And so it, in their case, it became kind of cultish. And so he's like, how do you even know any of this is real? And so we started talking and I brought a book um, by, uh, by, uh, by Dr. Frank Turk. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. That's the one I recommend mm-hmm. to everyone who is just looking for some more. It's, a, it's like 400 pages, but it's a very, very straightforward read. It's pretty, pretty simple to understand. Um, and so I brought it to him and he actually asked to borrow it himself, which was awesome. He ended up reading that thing in like two or three weeks and he brought it back. Um, I, I actually didn't see him after this. He brought it back when I wasn't home and left it on my doorstep. Um, but conversation went really, really well. And the guy who was sitting next to him was just kind of like, like, imagine like you're brand new to the field. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like you just got sent out with this older, like more experienced morbid missionary who is now telling this Christian guy that he's an atheist. Like what is going on? You know? <laughs> and so he, this guy, like, he just, like, he's this young, young kid. Like he just sat there for, I think this was like uh, one and a half to three ish hours, somewhere between mm-hmm. there. And he just sat like, I didn't even finish my food. Like we just kind of talked. And he sat through all of that. And then towards the end, I'm like, listen, man, like I've just answered all your questions about Christianity, like all of your objections, like, like, look, if you're going to look for God um, and the thing, the thing with Mormonism is, is you, you have to let them know that you're not trying to steal their faith. You're trying to guide them to a deeper faith. Yeah, I think think that is a big point is to not deconstruct someone's personal testimony. That's yeah, actually really yeah because that, that becomes the truest thing about them to them, mm-hmm. you know? And so you're saying like, look, I, like, I appreciate your character. Like yeah. I appreciate your commitment and I just want to, I think it's misdirected and I, I just want to show you a, something mm-hmm. deeper. Basically the conversation ended in a way where, um, I, I'm, you know, I had to tell him like, you're looking, if you're looking for God, I love the fact that you're looking for God with your mind. Like, I love that. Um, but if you're looking for an actual being that exists, and that we believe actually communicates with us, it, it wouldn't hurt to pray. You know, it wouldn't hurt to ask him to reveal himself to you uh, while you look for him with your mind, you know. Worst case, you don't get a response. Best case, you do, you know. And he's like, actually, Alex, I did. I actually, and I, and I kind of guided him. Like, I'm like, this is, this is kind of the kind of prayer that I'm talking about. And I, and I gave him like a layout, just like verbally, just like, you know, um, like what you should say to God if you're looking for him. And he's like, that's basically what I prayed. And then you texted me maybe 10, 15 minutes later. And I haven't talked to him for months. And so I'm like, oh, (laughs) so basically like, he's like, that's why we're here. Like usually a Mormon person won't like, especially if he's an an elder who's finishing up his, his missionary, like they won't reach out to a Christian and be like, can you help me fix my faith? You know what I mean? Like, and he's like, that's why we came. So we're doing things a lot oftentimes for months, like in apologetics, you can do things for a while. Mm-hmm. You can, you can do, you can have one conversation with a person and never see them again. That's what Paul talks about. I, I think one of the things when he says, make the most of the, every opportunity, you know what I mean? And so like, in this case, my opportunity was months and I thought I wasn't seeing any fruit, you know, mm-hmm. I started getting this, a little discouraged inside. I'm like, well, at least it was good practice for me, you know, whatever. But what I didn't know was that the spirit was actually working in deeper ways than I imagined. And so, yeah, I'm not sure how we got here, but that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's something no, that's, it's, it's, it's important. Um, I think a good point to bring up is when it comes to friendship, cause I had a conversation with someone last night about friendship. Um, like, are you willing to, or do you actually not, are you willing, but do you actually desire to be someone's friend? Mm-hmm. Um, even when they're not a believer and yeah. if they don't become a believer immediately, are you still okay with being their friends? Yeah. And even if it it's three years, are you still willing to be their friend and continue to be there next to them and yeah. still love them? Or yeah. are we being someone's friend simply to see them converted? Yeah. Which is a whole nother thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's what, especially uh, non-believers, what they want from us is that we're wanting to be their friend, somebody to be their friend and that they're actually okay with changing or converting or mm-hmm. being transformed if it's a natural aspect of the relationship. Yeah. But if it's not, then they don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's such a fine line to walk sometimes because we get excited about what we believe and, and we want people to believe it. But I think you're right. Like it should stem from a, a genuine place of love. Like mm-hmm. the, the reason that I want you to be saved Aside from the fact that I believe you're a human that deserves or not, I don't know how to word this, that you're a human who I think 
should be saved. I don't know. Is because I, I love you and I want to be your friend. And so because I love you, I'm going to tell you what I think is true. And I expect you to do the same. Like, regardless of what you believe, because you love me and you're my friend, um, you should you should tell me what you think is most important. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I have friends that I grew up with since Pokemon cards who are not Christians, you know, and, and they know where I stand on everything. And um, they don't really have any interest in living a Christian lifestyle. On Pokemon cards? They know where you stand on that? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, they'll, no. <laughs> That's funny. And and the thing is, like, they, they will, um, I've had them reach out to me when they encounter something in life that that is, like, a pretty serious situation and ask me to pray. You know what I mean? Um, and they, they will basically... You know, they'll reach out to me and, and they'll be like, hey, Alex, like, I, you know, this is what's going on. Could you um, could you like could you pray for me? Could you, you know, do this or that? And and sometimes I'll even, you know, be asked for advice, for spiritual advice from someone who's not a Christian. And that's all good. Like, you know, they know they know that they they have someone in their life who when they're ready, they can they can come to. Mm -hmm. And I've I've actually had conversations with people where they began by thinking that Christianity in general is, is dumb basically. And they've come to a point where they are like, okay, when I'm ready, like, yeah, I'll give you a call. You know, like it's, I, and that's a big aspect too. I know, I know plenty of people who are non-believers will listen to a Ted talk. will listen to any, any sort of speech, motivational yeah. saying, and as long as it's not explicitly labeled something, yeah. but if it's just phrased out, um, you know, they'll receive it gladly to mm -hmm. change their life or to, to put inside of them. Um, and I think, uh, the main thing is like people see, uh, you as a source when they see that you're steady, when they see that there's joy and ultimately every single person is seeking an answer to their problem. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's huge. Like, cause people are willing to go to, you know, people who have different worldviews, different religions, and they're willing to take in that uh whatever the whatever word they have to give whatever their mm -hmm. testimony is yeah and they're willing to receive it because ultimately people want to be bene they want to change their lives yeah they they want to see a difference in it and i think the biggest number one thing is anxiety and depression oh yeah yeah in our society people are looking for hope you know i i met a guy from iran who is a christian mm -hmm. and uh, this was a few years ago and he's like he's a civil engineer in downtown portland he's been here for a while but he was saying like when we were leaving iran a lot of people were leaving um, uh, not believing, but a lot of people were uh, converting to Christianity from Islam. Uh, and he's like, and really, he, f the reason he gave me was because they're looking for hope. He's like, they see where they are in life. They see where their current worldview has gotten them. And, and they're just looking for hope somewhere else, you know. And so sometimes that's, that's, what, people, that's what people are drawn to. And, and if we live with the hope, then they want to ask us for the hope that's within us. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it feels like it's a good balance of having like, both kind of you know when you're preaching to people off the street like mormons and stuff you can be a lot more intentional with it the way mm -hmm. you have conversation where it's like we're not i'm not always seeing you so it's you know a little bit more intentional with the conversations you have you know taking every opportunity you can mm -hmm. when it comes to friends i feel like when you have friends that are unbelievers it almost keeps you in check on a day-to-day -day basis yeah <laughs> because they, it, it seems like yeah. they're even kind of on standby just waiting for you to mess up yeah where it's kind of yeah. like yeah yeah we'll see we'll see you know it's like even subconsciously yeah, yeah yeah because it's like oh like i found this hope i believe in jesus like this is what satisfies me this is what my heart beats for this is what i'm about and yeah. Like, yeah 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 i know the real you like we hung like i know you and the thing is like we're not perfect either like uh -huh. we're, we're gonna make mistakes everyone does you know the thing is like like if that happens in a, in a relationship, in a friendship, we should own it. Like we should just be like, you know what? Like I did that. Like I shouldn't have done that. You were there with me. Like, you know, like I know you don't care, but like I, I feel like that was not in keeping with what I believe and I'm going to try to do better next mm -hmm. time. You know, like if you, if we just own it, like it becomes not like a thing. It just becomes yeah. like, then, then you're showing your character and integrity in the hard times, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I think one, one good point is, from the mo like from a very early age we feel a natural inclination to fake things mm -hmm. or to pretend or to cover up and so the natural response of an of of anyone from the world is that oh like they're just faking it or pretending 
just like I am because I, I'm pretending. Yeah. And I, rem- and, I, and I can say that because I know earnestly that throughout my life before being a believer and even through a portion of being a believer that I faked it and that I pretended. And that was just a natural response um, yeah. from like, like human condition, right? To just fake and pretend. Yeah. Um, and we still see some of that even throughout the church, but that is like the natural response. So like what people outside of our circles want to see is they want to, they're waiting and waiting. Some people will wait patiently mm-hmm. to know for sure that you're not faking it and not pretending. Yeah. And so that's why our life is a testimony is because people are testing the validity of what we're preaching or what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. By our life. Cause they're actually, I would actually want to believe. And I, and I think that this is true that people are open to hearing the gospel. People are open to being encouraged, but oftentimes they just don't trust the validity or believe that it's real. Mm -hmm. And so the true test is to prove that we're real. Yeah. And so oftentimes the defense of our faith is ourself. Yeah. Oftentimes that's, that's the first level. <laughs> yeah. Like, like if they don't like you, they're not going to want to hear what you have to say. Um, that's huge. Yeah. No, I want to like, actually hear uh, like a little quick story time from Alex. Uh, I want to hear about what you're, cause this is going to be, cause I think for a lot of people, we've never actually get truly given um, an apology, right. Mm. Or a defense. And so, I would love to hear your first time giving an apology to oh somebody my goodness. and what that was like. I think just for the sake of people to oh, hear yeah, and then yeah. we can even transition over to like maybe a few do- a few years down the road and like yeah. what, like this is where he started now yeah. look where, where he is now. <laughs> it's a process. It really is. You know, at first you get really excited when you start learning this stuff. You know, you get, you're just like looking for people to argue with and, and tear down. And the problem is we forget that like there's a difference between winning arguments and winning hearts. Mm-hmm. And like we're called to win arguments. Um, and we're actually we're actually called to um, tear down. I forget the exact verse, but basically, you know, te- uh, demolish arguments and hold uh, make every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So when we're focused on winning arguments only, um, we miss the point because we're not doing it out of love. And so our job is to not just, it is to win arguments, but it's also to win hearts. And so like, as we do it out of love, we, we present the apologia in, in the way that it's supposed to be. But my first couple times, like you get really excited and you're just looking for people to argue and tear down. Um, so there was, there was one example that I can think of. Uh, it was really early on and I was actually talking to a guy about the Trinity and um, it ended up just being like this horrible, horrible evening where we were just kind of like yelling over each other, like not even yelling, just like talking over each other. At one point I'm like, let me get 10 seconds. Let me get 10 seconds for the gospel. He's like, okay, he's counting down and I'm trying like, it, it got pretty bad. Like it was, yeah, not proud of that. But the thing is like, there's, there is a way to approach conversations with grace and there's even logical steps that we can talk about later as well that keeps you like, keeps you focused in a conversation with someone who disagrees with you. That is really important. And the thing is, I wasn't, I didn't care about like this person's actual salvation as much as I did about me, you know, destroying them or whatever you want to call it, you know, and that's, that's counterproductive. Like when you do that to people, you're actually like pushing them away. There's also another way to push people away, though, and that's with not taking their questions seriously. That's how I was pushed away. And that's when someone asks you a question and you don't think that it's important enough. And so, like, you know, when I was struggling with stuff before I walked away, I I asked someone a question. I'm like, hey, like, like, have you ever thought about like, what if like God actually isn't there? Like, we all think he is. But like, what if what if legitimately like there is no such thing as God in this universe? You know, and the thing that I got in response from this individual was, dude, that's stupid. Like. You have to be stupid to be an atheist. Like, come on, bro. Like, why would you do that? And of course, I didn't continue asking him questions. Of course, I didn't open up anymore. Instead, it drove me deeper into my skepticism and my doubt. Mm-hmm. And this was by a Christian, you know? And so, yeah. like, this is the kind of stuff that we are to avoid. We're supposed to, like, Jude, t- Jude tells us to be merciful to those who doubt, you know? So we're supposed to be able to demolish arguments, win minds, and win hearts, and allow the Holy Spirit to give the growth. You know right. what I mean? And so that's, that's, that's our call. It's not just one or the other, it's both. Mm-hmm. And so when we leave, when we leave our brain at the door, 
And all we do is make relationships and friendships, but we have no idea how to communicate about truth. Um, we're lacking. Like, it's good. It's really good. Like, I would rather be a person who isn't good at apologetics, but good at relationships than a person who is great at apologetics, but pushes all relationships mm, away. Right. Because at least, at least I can be somewhat of an influence with my life. Mm. But I'm, what I'm talking about is both. Like, we have to have both. Yeah. That's yeah. such a good point. I remember my first time evangelizing. <laughs> We were, yeah, fresh Bible school students, all passionate. We go in, come across some atheist guy. And this dude knows the Bible better than us. Mm. And he's throwing out scripture. And we're fact-checking it all. Like, he's accurate. And then he starts asking us all these questions. And we're, like, like trying to look it up in the Bible. He's like, really? You guys are here evangelizing? You can't even, you don't even know your own Bible? And it was, like, bad. Wow. But the thing is, that motivated me. Because that was my first experience. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? That motivated <laughs> me to go and learn all the questions, you know, yeah. find answers. That's when they approached us, our ear, like, hey, do you guys want to learn how to defend your faith? Oh. We're like, heck yeah. So they brought you in to oh, teach cool. us. Yeah. So that's why it made us passionate because we had that failure or that experience that actually made us passionate to, okay, we need to find these yeah. questions, find the answers. And it was that process of, okay, I need to learn it for myself. And yeah, I, I believe we did have that mindset of like, okay, we just need to go like destroy these yeah. people in argument. And over time, yeah, you do learn that, okay, maybe it motivated us to learn it for ourselves. And then over time you learn that, yeah, it should be more of a relational aspect. I should be able to answer these questions in such a practical way, but at the same time, that not be the focus, but okay, how can I be more relational? How can I win, as you, like you said, not an argument, but their heart? Yeah. And how do we step into that? So I love that there's that balance. And when, yeah, the thing is so many people are scared to go and evangelize because they're afraid of failure or I can't yeah. talk, but you should just go for it because that'll <laughs> only motivate you, right? Like that's yeah. what actually motivated us. And now, you know, okay, this is what I should look into. This is, yeah. it actually you'll, makes it that much more exciting. Yeah, you'll bit. you'll learn what you don't know. The mm -hmm. thing is about like evangelism is there's so many different ways to do it. Like apologetics and evangelism is kind of like just part of your lifestyle. Like, I, I mean, you you could go out into the street and you can find someone and you can talk to them, or you could do it at work, right? And I like, think that's where it actually gets a little different because when you work with some, sorry to, oh, you're good, you're good, go in there. But I think one one reason why we find it difficult to give apology or evangelize in our workplace is because we see them every day. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Why one, I think the hardest place for me to ever evangelize, which was very difficult was, um, in high school cause you see everybody every day. Yeah. And so it was intimidating. It truly was. It was there, but there was this one, there's, there was this one kid who I would evangelize to every day. He was Muslim and I did it for like every single day. <laughs> But I think more, more like that then during that time, I was probably more pestering than like actually evangelizing. <laughs> evangelizing, I was probably just bugging him. Did you more convert than yet? <laughs> DJ, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready yet? Are you ready? Are you ready now? <laughs> and so yeah. I think that's that's the hard part. But I think when we approach everything with love and grace and uh, understanding the Lord's timing too, and understanding like. Um, the invisible battle that's going on within somebody, which is like on a soul level yeah. in regards to depression, anxiety, Holy Spirit, um, like our internal arguments, which are typically not a logical argument. Like I think typically the reason why we're not open to the gospel is not because of a logical mm -hmm. disagreement. It's actually an internal argument of like abuse, yeah. of fear, of yeah. generational curse. Um, it's or usually wanting, actually something very spiritual. Yeah, yeah. Or wanting to be your own God. Mm -hmm. uh, functionally. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, gosh. Okay. Two things you just brought up two things. <laughs> um, okay. So I'll respond to the second one first and I'll dive into the first. So the second one, uh, people, a lot of times it's not even logical. That's so true because when you talk to people, a lot of times their logical reasons are a barrier and really a fence that they've built up to keep you out of their emotional ones. And the, the way that anyone comes to whatever that is they believe is a combination of a bunch of things it's your influence your upbringing your logical reasons your emotions your experiences all of these things formulate what you believe that none of those things mean that what you believe is wrong so you can like a, a, a guy high on crack could give me directions to this office and he could still be correct it doesn't matter where i got the information from that's just part of mm -hmm. logic but the thing is we get all of our information from a plethora of areas 
And um, gosh, now I forgot what the second thing was. So basically, <laughs> we get information from, it from happens, a, bro. Yeah, yeah. From a lot of, <laughs> I get excited from a lot of different areas. And um, uh, what were you saying? The second thing you said, bro, it happens. We can just move on. No, no, no. This was <laughs> this was something. This was something. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. Well, um, I'll just respond to the first thing. Maybe the second thing will come uh, around. So, uh -huh. a what you just said, and maybe this will like set someone free. Like what you just said was that. A lot of times we, what keeps us from evangelizing at work is because we see them every day and we work with them. We go to school with them. We're somewhere with them. And the thing is, I think that comes with a presupposition that evangelizing has to look a certain way mm -hmm. and that if it doesn't work, they will see us either as less, they will respect us less. It will be awkward the next day. Something will come up that is not what we intended and that will make us look bad. Yeah. But the thing is like, like, and then, and then that draws us into self-reflection, which oftentimes ends up in condemnation because what happens is, and I've had this is like, why don't I want to go, go preach on the street? Uh, well, a lot of times, like, because maybe I'm scared what people will think of me. Mm -hmm. And then I start thinking, wow, I'm, I'm ashamed of Christ. That means Christ is going to be ashamed of me, you know, like mm -hmm. that whole thing. And so like, and you know, yeah, being ashamed of God is not a good thing, but I think a lot of times, like it's that presupposition of like, they will see me as weird because I see evangelism as X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to get at is evangelism doesn't have to be X, Y, and Z. There's many more letters in the alphabet. Like if you're working at your, your job, like I had people, I, I worked with a lady, she was almost retired, atheist, hardcore atheist. She knew what I believed and I became some, like her and I became the closest friends at work because I was so personable with her and that like I didn't see her as less or different you don't in, see in her as way. an objective or an atta yeah. or a task. No, no, I don't. And like, and she see, and she looks at me and she respects me completely. Like, and, and then like she'll, and we'll sometimes talk about like even politics, like the, like making fun of the same people in politics, even though like we land differently, very differently on very political different. things. Mm -hmm. I would join her in making fun of the candidates that I would support because mm -hmm. I don't care. Like, it's just politics. Like in our world, we, we like demonize so much. And so like, cause it's funny, like. I'll make fun of myself if I have to, you know, like if I do something funny, it's funny. Mm -hmm. And so like I made this connection with her and, and like, and she respected me, I think more for it because I didn't hide it. A lot of times, like when we're at work, we think that like evangelizing means we have to come up and say, Hey, listen, brother, sister, or friend, not brother, sister yet. That's, that's our objective, right? We come up, we say, Hey, listen, you friend, uncircumcised Philistine. Philistine. <laughs> no, no. A Hear lot the of times, gospel. <laughs> now, <laughs> no, a lot of times we, we come. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is live. No, no, that was too good. A lot of times we come up and we're thinking like, okay, this is what evangelism looks like. Like if it's my boss, for example, like how hard is it to come up to your boss and be like, where will you go when you die today? You know, like if you already die tomorrow, you will burn in hell for all eternity. He's going to be like, bro, do you have the report I asked you for yesterday? Like it's a completely different, but there's another if, if way. You if you don't submit these documents by tomorrow, you will be fired. You will be fired. <laughs> <laughs> do you know that? And then your response should be your fire is a lot longer. No, okay, whatever. So basically, basically what I'm getting at is like apologetics, evangelism, like it's, it's for everybody. And it can be done anywhere you go. Like it's, it's not so like, instead of doing the whole, if you were to die tonight thing, which sometimes I agree is necessary. It Lord's depends timing. on the conversation. Lord's yeah. timing. Yeah. Yeah. Timing. And so the thing is like with your boss, you could model what it means to, you know, do things with character. Like if you mess up at work, tell your boss, you messed up at work without hiding it. If that's what's required. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're late, don't make stuff up, you know, like stuff mm -hmm. like that, like little details will already begin to build your character. Mm -hmm. And eventually in a conversation, he might want to know, or mm -hmm. she might want to know what you believe, or you, you might have a, a moment where you get to share. Mm -hmm. But the thing is like, you're still yourself. And tomorrow when you come back, you won't have to stare him in the face and be and, and him staring you in the face and being like, I can't believe you tried me pray to, you tried to make me pray the Lord's prayer yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's not what happened because you know, like it's, it's a different approach. And so I think a lot of times the reason that we don't evangelize or we don't do apologetics or we don't engage with the culture around us on a daily basis is because we have a specific view of what that should look like. And then a specific view what that looks like when it fails. Mm -hmm. And we always think that it's going to fail. We need to break the mold. Yeah. We need to break it. We need to be ourselves. We need, yeah. Well, that's first. We got to be ourselves because 
no again people don't want to talk to someone who's fake yeah right? <laughs> that's the first thing like don't be fake yeah like the second thing is uh when honor steps on steps on into like the conversation automatically it changes it's a totally different conversation when yeah. there's honor in the room and like when i can honor somebody thoroughly throughout the entire conversation by like no i honor your opinion like like i thank you for sharing that like showing appreciation towards someone when mm -hmm. they open up their heart and say well this is what i believe whenever yeah. someone says this is what i believe this they're opening up their soul to what it's latched onto, which may be something totally different than what we believe. Yeah. But if we disregard that and say, yeah, I don't honor your opinion. You're totally wrong. We need to throw you in an insane asylum. How are they going to hear anything you said? Exactly. And that, I was on both sides of that. Yeah. So yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Right? I know. I know what that feels like. It's horrible. And like, um, I've had conversations with people where once you strip away all their objections that, that you do so carefully, you never brush them off. A lot of times when someone has an objection for me against Christianity, I'll, I'll rephrase the objection back to them in a way that makes it harder for me on purpose. So like if they tell me something like they have a problem with Christianity, problem A, I'll be like, I see your point here. Actually, let me help you like a squared. Like this is mm -hmm. even worse than, than, and then, and what that d does is it builds credibility in their eyes because they're like oh you care you understand and you actually want to address what i'm asking not just brush it off mm -hmm. and so once i i've done that before where once i've like you know moved past the objections then you get to the hard issue and i've had people admit to me that it's, it's in the end the hard issue and they wouldn't wouldn't have done that if it hadn't have been literally hours of these kinds of conversations you know what mm -hmm. i mean and so a lot of times we, we, we just have to be really patient we have to honor the person enough respect the person enough to actually care um, and, and to hear them out what they have to say. Another thing that happened uh, pretty recently, actually, is someone sent me a contact info to a person. They were, so uh, someone I know was reading a Bible in the coffee shop and someone came up to them and they're like, hey, I see you're actually pretty serious about this Bible thing. Um, I'm not a believer anymore. And they told him that. And the reason, the reason that I teach what I teach and, and that like, I'm passionate about this is because I want people to be able to have these conversations themselves. But I understand if they feel like overwhelmed. So in this case, they, they contacted me and they passed their information along to me. I reached out to this individual. We met at a coffee shop and we talked for a while. So I've never seen this person before, right? So first time introducing. So I'm like, listen, like the fact that you're able to come up to my friend and ask him about a Bible in a place where he probably wasn't alone, he was probably with his buddies, like that tells me a lot about you. And I told him like, like I respect that. Like that takes real courage. And I told him it takes real courage because like, if you, like if you're struggling, what are the chances you're gonna come up to a stranger who is actually a lot younger than you and ask them why they believe what they believe? You know what I mean? Like you're an older guy, like he has a daughter and, and a wife, like, and his concern is like, gosh, I wanna make sure I'm not wrong about God because like, I don't want to drag my daughter to hell with me, you know, because yeah. this is the way I'm going to raise her. And so we ended up talking for a while. And at the end, um, you know, your testimony does matter. But in this case, I, I left it out and because I wanted to approach things from like a perspective of like, I want to hear you out. I want to answer your questions and I want to see where we can go from here. Mm -hmm. In the end, he actually thanked me before we left. He's like, hey, like, thank you so much for like not just telling me your testimony and expecting yeah. that to convert me, mm -hmm. you know. And he's like, I really appreciate that. You know, and so like he he got a conversation out of someone who didn't undermine his questions. Um, you know, I, I, I tried not to like talk over him or not pay attention when he was talking. But instead, like I heard him out. And then I like things that you don't know, you can admit that you don't know and that you'll look into them. Like a lot of times, like Christians are scared to engage in apologetics because they think that like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get destroyed. You're only going to get destroyed if you're approaching it like a like a combat session. Mm. Like you don't That's get so destroyed good. unless you're fighting. Right. right. So if you're concerned about getting destroyed, you're not there to learn. You're not there to evangelize. You're not so there good. to love. Right. You're not you're not. You're all you're trying to do is destroy instead of winning the mind and the heart. Mm -hmm. Instead, you're just. And so that's a good indicator. Like if I'm worried about this guy destroying me right now, check my heart. Like, why am I, why am I talking to this person at all? Mm -hmm. You know, like, because the thing is, if they tell you something that you don't know the answer to, you telling them you don't know actually builds your credibility in their eyes, right. especially if you say, can I follow up with you? And then yeah. you do. And so now you have a relationship, mm -hmm. a mutual relationship. And right. they both know, like, it's not like you didn't know why I was there. I'm like, I'm like, I don't expect you to convert right now. I'm, I'm pretty sure I even told him that. Like, I don't expect you to convert right now. I'm just here to like be here for you. Like, I want to talk to you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like people see that. 
because we can hide things, but people can see through them. You know what I mean? And we shouldn't be hiding anything at all, especially as Christians, like blank slate, like clear slate. Every Mm -hmm. time, you know, we're talking to someone and they ask us for our motivation, just tell them like it will bring more respect to you because even people of like other worldviews, especially like people of Muslim worldview, like they're they're going to respect you more when you admit to the fact that you want them to convert because like they actually want the same for you, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that 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 is another connecting point to build a relationship on. Yeah, and what most people will notice, especially when you, be, when this begins to be your intention mm-hmm. of, you know, seeing, like you said, Alpha, you said it's not you're deconstructing them, but you're just leading them on and leading their, their motivation to something deeper, right? Because mm-hmm. you've tasted and you've seen how real this is because you've tried out so many different things. Yeah. And what most people will tell you is that it seems like you grow even more personally when you begin to, you know, share with others. Mm-hmm. Like when you're real, and we're like, like you said, you're not going into this like it's combat. Like I need a, I'm being real with myself. It's like, this is just my heartbeat. This mm-hmm. is what transformed my life. And I just want you to taste and see of what I have. So yeah, there's that testimony aspect. And yet it's something that continually is growing me and stretching me. And I really love how you said that. So I just flew out of my head. That's true. It's continually stretching you, growing you. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah, you're not trying to you're not trying to continue fight fighting them for it, but where you're having that real like I'm growing in this too still. Like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a constant transformation. And like you said, um, your life is what preaches. And so when especially like when we're talking about our friends, right? Yeah. They're constantly looking at you like, okay, like one year past, two years past, like and they see that you're still continually growing where it's not like, oh, he got saved, but then he went right back to what he was yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is something that continue. I think it always comes down to my my life transforming every single day personally. If this if it's real and genuine for me, I'm constantly growing. I'm constantly transforming. I'm being real with myself. I, I'm still growing. Yeah. And they begin to see that it's real for you, and you're honest with them. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know all the answers. You know, like like you said, yeah. well, let me get back to you. I, I don't know that answer too, but that's a good question. We can learn it together. Yeah, when yeah. it becomes real to you, it's not common. It's like, hey, let's, let's grow this together. But this, this is this is something that worked for me, and I believe it's something that will obviously work for you too, yeah, right? Yeah, this yeah. This is what will satisfy. It's relationship isn't oh I'm perfect. It's actually like yeah, hey, like we're in this together. Yeah, and a quick note on that. A lot of times, like I like that. Yeah, a quick note. A lot of times we, um, at least myself, sometimes I'll feel like I am getting a little bit too logical and like too answery with people for lack of a better word and uh and i don't want to look like i'm like super like you know educated to someone who's just asking questions and so i've noticed and i think this is a flaw i've noticed where like i'll actually kind of almost demean myself a little bit i'll just be like oh man like i'm always like doing this or that like even like with like a like a like a apologetics type of conversation like like oh man like i i i wish i knew more about this i don't know but like really like i don't think that's a good thing to do that's just like something that i'm trying learning not to do anymore like there's a way because i'm scared of becoming of looking prideful of well, looking, you don't want to look self-righteous yeah or self-righteous like because because I'm, my concern is like looking like a know-it-all in like a, for example like a philosophy conversation to someone who like i don't want to look like a know-it-all but then I swing the pendulum a little bit too far to the other side and almost play dumb. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's not something we should be doing either. Like yeah. we should, we should be operating out of love and people really like they like, this is a common phrase, but it's so true. Like people don't need to know how much, you know, until they know how much you care. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like one time at, we were, we were in a, like a philosophy debate setting and uh, it was like an open, open dialogue, open forum type of thing. And there was this guy there, uh, he's a, he's an atheist, hardcore atheist, um, and he's a lawyer, uh, and he, he has two kids. He's, he's a Chinese guy, awesome guy. We made it, we made a friend, both my wife and I. Um, he ended up coming to an apologetics event later. He knew some of the guys there, and it, it was it was amazing. But um, we, so we were talking for a while, and this event started, I think, at like eight eight thirty. We might have got there around there, and most people left, and it was like me, my wife Christina, the guy who was hosting it, and then three other non-believers. And one of the non-believers was, was this, this uh, Chinese friend of mine. And, um, and he, we, we were talking to him for probably about, I think, I think it was about two in the morning. So it was like, it just went on. 
And how this ended up going about was he, he has some real reservations uh, towards the idea of the existence of God um, in that like when he stepped, when his sister stepped away from the faith, I think they grew up Baptist. When his sister stepped away from the faith, uh, his, his parents basically like denied her. Like they're just like, oh, well, I guess she's going to hell and uh, we have to live with it. Like we're going to keep serving God and she can make her own choice. And for him, that was like, how could you just give up on someone so fast? And so he has all this hurt and, and, and pain and he has a really serious problem with the existence of hell, for example. And so we ended up talking through the night and it was interesting because like he would ask a question and, um, and I would address the question from a very logical and philosoph philosophical way. And then my wife would bump in with, uh, with more of a practical, like, well, not like more of like an emotional in the best sense of the word application, like, Hey, like, you know, why, why do you think that this is bugging you so mm -hmm. much? And grown man, like this lawyer is sitting there and he's just thinking about everything we're talking about. He ended up reaching out to me and he wanted me to meet him uh, again. And so we, we met up and we met up at like a children's play thing. It was like his son or his son's friend's birthday. And it was like an hour before everyone got there. So we met up and he ended up just like asking me a bunch of questions. I'm, I'm like half his age, maybe, maybe a little, maybe a little less than half, but um, you know, like when people see that you actually care and they mm -hmm. see that like you're taking their, their questions seriously, you're respecting them, you're honoring their time, you're honoring their interests, you're honoring their character. Um, they want to know more. And oftentimes, like, they'll take you, they'll, they'll want to follow up because the thing is, in, in a forum like what we were in, there's people listening, like, there's people around. And um, and so maybe he felt like he couldn't, like, maybe he, it was a little bit too confrontational. And so he wanted just me and him at a children's thing, like, on, across a table. And we just chatted for a while. You know, like, people, people once you, once they know that you actually care, then they want to start knowing how much mm -hmm. you know or what yeah. you know. And, yeah. I think, yeah. And I think just to wrap it up, like, to close this off, I think um, what we could take away from all this is uh, not to tailor how we uh, approach a conversation apologetically or evangelistically, however we approach a conversation um, and whatever like the tone of it is, um, that we would actually tailor it for the person we're talking to. Because mm -hmm. each person is individually individualistically like different like we're mm. all very diverse we're created differently um and if we have that same understanding of how god created us that we're all unique yeah. and how he designed us then we should approach every single conversation differently and we should actually be very attentful mm -hmm. very respectful based on the person we're speaking to um yeah and that first we should be patient and the first desire we should have is and ask ourselves is do we want this to be a long-term relationship? Mm -hmm. Am I in this just for an hour or am I in this for a relationship that could last a lifetime? Yeah. Because most of the times, like why I stuck in the, the system of a church was because of relationship, was because I got stuck in a group of people and that's what kept me there. Mm -hmm. I would almost guarantee that if it wasn't first for the relationship and community that I was placed in, then I wouldn't be in church. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, it would have been harder for me. Maybe my, maybe the route I took in life might be different, but I know that in all of those people, Christ was in them. Mm -hmm. And so the community and like the relations, the relational aspect is super important. And yeah. so I know, I know that I know that I know that if you stick with somebody throughout their life and you hold fast to them and you're like, I'm going to put you first, I'm going to be with you. Um, I value as a person, no matter what you believe. And if we can just stay friends I guarantee that if we live the life of Christ, they'll be convinced mm -hmm. that within their lifetime, they'll be convinced mm -hmm. through our life based on our actions, based on what we've done, based on our testimonies, based on the miracles that happen in our life, mm -hmm. they will be convinced. Like oh. if we're willing to actually stick it through and allow these people to come in our life and we don't put a, we don't put a timeline on and say like, Hey, I'm going to give you two hours. And if you don't get saved in these two <laughs> hours, I'm sorry, my life's busy. I need to go. Yeah. And, and we overcomplicate it too. We think like if we make it a long-term relationship that it's like, I have to be with them every week. And that's not the case. Like it could be a couple times a year, yeah. but having them be a reminder in your life and coming back to them at the end of the day and be like, Hey, like, Hey, how are you doing? Like, uh, continuing on that relationship of like giving in and take them out to lunch. And I've noticed that like people in high school, they're reaching out like, I, the, it would have been such a waste to keep high school closed off and been like, well, that's a thing in the past. Like, <laughs> goodbye, guys. Yeah. But like leaving it open ended and like, I mean, I don't I don't 
like I care what they believe, but at the same time, I don't care what they believe. Mm-hmm. I, I, I care enough about them that regardless of what they believe or where they're at in life, what they do, what they think, like I honor them as a person. God created them. They have a purpose. They have a destiny. Um, they have gifts. They have talents. Yeah. Um, they have a family. They're mm-hmm. going to have a future family. And they're going to make an impact on the world and yeah. on people. And so they have influence, whether good or bad. Yeah. I'm going to let my life be the testimony that will change someone, whether it's in a year or in 10 years. Yeah. And and it's a much more approachable concept when we when we look at it that way is like, yeah, there is not a time limit. Obviously, we want to we want to do it before someone's time on Earth is over. Yeah. But. But you like make the most we of have, every opportunity. We have, we have the greatest helper, which is the Holy Spirit. And I guarantee you that if we have faith, the Holy Spirit will come. He'll intercede. He'll help. He'll he'll speed the process up. He'll the moments will be pre- presented. And yeah. if you have a relationship with someone, they're always going to reach out to mm-hmm. you. And um, you know, like loving your neighbor like you love yourself. Like how would you like now knowing what you know and believing what you believe? How would you have wanted your believing neighbor if you were the atheist? How would you have wanted him to love you? You know, like, would you have wanted him to, would, how would you yeah. have felt if he gave up on you after two weeks? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have to be patient with like, those. Oh, he didn't really care. He was just kind of like, it was just a strategy. Yeah. He just, he just left some Bible booklets yeah. on my front door and ran yeah, away. You know, like, like how, how do you, like, what is loving your neighbor? Like you love yourself mean to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I, in conclusion, like, I think, I think like people, I really want to encourage people that apologetics, evangelism, really apologetics is just the fancy word for being able to explain what you believe, being open to doing so. I think like we need to we need to get the, this through our heads that it's it's easier than we think. We don't have to get PhDs in it in order to do it. You know what I mean? Like we just be yourself. It's for everybody. If you're a believer, you're called to do it. Like, and so it's for everybody, be yourself. And when you approach people, when people approach you, the people you bump shoulders with, like, just be an example, be a light in the darkness, be someone who's able to hear them out and answer their questions and then answer the questioner uh, behind the question as well, because Mm -hmm. there are layers of questions oftentimes, but then there's a person asking the question Mm -hmm. in the background. And a lot of times you won't get to the questioner until you get through the questions with grace and with truth. Wow. Well, facts (laughs) (laughs) facts <laughs> <laughs> uh thank you so much alex of course thank you for giving me this opportunity yeah we love you love you, you too bro you say we love you yeah. what is it <laughs> i love you i love you <laughs> we love you uh, love for you too, a long guys. time yeah yeah boys you're, for life you're um, boys for life <laughs> you're a good guy okay. don't let anyone ever tell you differently <laughs> uh yeah, this I, is what you guys mean I, by grilling. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely don't care what they say about you. Good, bro. You you're you're care. a good guy. <laughs> Your son, cutest thing of life. Oh, I know. I the know. treasure of my heart. I'm so thankful. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, he's he's my treasure. Until I have a kid, he's my treasure. Whoa. So, <laughs> oh. okay, good to know. <laughs> we got a babysitter. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's let's not go there. But <laughs> <laughs> wrap up. Wrap up. <laughs> wrap it up. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I believe we'll do it again because I think there's. I feel like there's at least one more part that we have to get into. Yeah. Um, to kind of wrap up the conversation. Oh, yeah. 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 I'd love to get a little more technical. If some of your listeners have some like hardcore I, questions, we could get into it. I think that we should just kind of maybe we should even like not that we wrap up this relationship that like after this, we're just done. Like, sorry, bro. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're done. But I think in the sense that we should just go live and we should just okay. do um, a Q&A. Yeah, that'd be cool. Ask ask some some hard questions. That'd be good. Yeah. yeah let's do let's it. Let's do it. Thank you so much, bro. All right. Thanks, guys. Love you. Love you. <laughs>